What is up, everybody? Welcome to Benchtown TV. This is Jim, and recently, me, Kathleen, and Luke had the absolute pleasure of talking to the extremely talented Carlson Young. Many of you probably know her from her roles in As the Bell Rings, Key and Peel, or Scream the TV series. In the past three years, Carlson has developed into a triple threat with acting, writing, and directing, and in 2018, her first ever short film as a writer, actor, and director, titled The Blazing World, gain notoriety at Sundance, allowing her to convert this short film into her first ever full-length film, also titled The Blazing World. This film was released on Video On Demand, iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other avenues on October 15th. Me and Kathleen saw both the short film and the feature-length film and were blown away by the acting, the visuals, and the score. In this episode, we discussed The Blazing World, as well as her time on Scream the TV series. We hope you guys enjoyed the show. Let's go. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Good. How are you? Great. Wow. This is great. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course. For a million different reasons, we're excited to talk to you. We got Scream and we got the Blazing World right off the bat. And then we also have a huge fan right here in Key and Peele. So I'm (laughs) having a personal fanboy moment right now because that is amazing to know that you were in The Substitute Teacher, one of the most iconic key and peel skits ever yes <laughs> that was that was funny because i mean nobody like had any clue that that would blow up sort of in the way it did so that's cool okay i'm just gonna start right into the key <laughs> I, I need to get this off my chest Go. how does that work do you guys just um like okay so the first substitute teacher blew up and then they called back all of the named characters like Aaron, Jay Quellen, Balak, <laughs> everybody comes back and they were just like you guys are hilarious let's do it again. Yeah, I'm exactly like that. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea that it was um I really wasn't familiar with them as comedians or or with the show um in general in, in that first one and then it really, you know, it exploded and they mm-hmm. called back and were like we have we have a part two of the sketch. <laughs> if you'd like to join, I was like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's funny because the blazing world is obviously such a, like a complex character you're playing when I grew up on as the bell rings and we're obsessed with scream, which is like the comedy chops are out of this world. So it was nice. Like you're really flexing your, your muscles here with all the, all the yeah. complexities of this role. It was crazy. It was dark. It was trying yes. me out. Yeah, it's dark as hell, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have definitely had the most um, experience with, with comedy and with that kind of, like, sort of lighter, more self-aware. Um, but with Blazing World, I, you know, I was really convicted about, yeah, I mean, I'd always sort of had the idea that I would get to a place in my acting career where people would, you know, take me seriously as a writer and director and, and kind of make that transition. But but I, I don't really think that's A, how it works. And B, was not something I was willing to, you know, wait for that perfect time. So yeah, I mean, I love like super dark horror and um, fantasy. So that's what I was like. I, I just got to, I got to do it. I think you're on the right <laughs> podcast then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just going to write it myself and start. Yeah. And that's it. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah oh yeah that uh-huh. yeah exactly mm-hmm. well 
So I'm super interested in when the actors themselves become the directors. I read a lot about that and how a lot of other actors like it when actors are the director because they understand it more. But for this one specifically, I have a couple questions. Um, being the director and the star, like, how was it emotionally preparing for this dark role and then having to kind of flip the script and be the director at the same time because I've I read a lot about how actors and actresses they they get into the mindset and then they kind of go off by themselves so they, so they don't lose it but how yeah. was it flip-flopping between the two roles um I really enjoyed I enjoyed directing myself and and other actors and yeah I, I mean I know the sort of working conditions that I really love to have as an actor to make myself feel like safe in, in, in an environment where I can, you know, really give like a pure unfiltered take on a character. There are a lot of things that sort of need to be in place. I think that the first one being just a really clear dialogue with the director about what their references are, what they're thinking tonally, you know, all of these things. So I know all of that because I, I've been working on this since like 2017. So I prepped it to high heaven and had been conceptualizing all of the chapters of the emotional journey of this character for a long time. So when it came time to shoot it, I was really clear about what I was looking for. And then working with, you know, other wonderful actors, I, you know, when we shot it during the pandemic, so we didn't really have rehearsal time or we had a limited crew and all this sort of thing, but I just felt like if I could be as clear and concise with them as possible as to what their entry point for the story was, you know, it's obviously about depression and grief and, and these like really heavy concepts, but sort of filtering it through this like childlike, like distorted, like trauma lens. Mm -hmm. And fortunately the other actors had, you know, great points to entry into the material and were able to really bring their own perspectives. And as, I mean, as a director, that's like all you can hope for is that you have actors who are passionate about the material and are willing to put it all on the line with you. Yeah. So I'm going to ask this question, but I feel like I'm going to have to find it as I ask it. So do you write in a lot of the visuals when writing the scripts? Because a lot of like the best and most chilling parts of this dialogue were like the small creepy moments yeah. with like the bugs and the different characters, mm -hmm. like the yep. dad scratching his skin off when he's facing away in the chair. Like, how do you get that point across? Luckily, I mean, you were the writer and director and the star. So yeah. obviously that makes it a little bit easier, but obviously you can't like show someone what you're picturing in your brain. And you obviously had a very specific vision for this. So yeah. how, how do you, yeah, how do you go about No, that? you can't, you can't show it. You can't show it's in your brain. Yes. All of, those details were written. It's not in the script. It's hard to get off of the page. So even if it's one of our, you know, production designers assistants, you know, like interpretation of that word on the page, you know, I can refine it from there. So I think like it's got to be on the page and then birthing it off of the page, is just having a really clear communication with um, with your production designer and your DP. And like, I had my sister-in-law storyboard the whole thing. And I would like do like little like stick figures and <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible, uh, artist. But I just would draw like to best my ability, the, the details of what I was thinking and what I, what I was seeing in my head. And then our production designer would put it into like CAD and we would have like 3d mock-ups and kind of refine it from there. So is that all part of the process? 
prior to actually creating CGI, right? Do you have selections? Because I've always been curious about that. If you're looking at multiple different designs of what you want to appear in the final product, is that how it goes? Yeah. I mean, for us, we had a locked rough cut before we handed it off to our VFX artists. And, you know, and then from there, like, I mean, we were on this insane deadline. We had like a couple of months to do all of our effects. So we had multiple artists working on it. And then from there, I would, again, like it was like some sketch, like me trying to um, vocalize it as best as I could. And, and obviously seeing what their interpretation of it was and then refining it, like being like, no, that's not really, you know, but the whole CG build, like for instance, the like water coming out of the doors, like all these things is like, you provide the assets to the, the VFX artists and then they'll, you know, they'll really bring your vision to life. It's absolutely incredible what they're capable of doing. And for us, that just means providing them with very workable assets. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with a locked shot, but <laughs> for great for great effects, you the shot needs to be locked unless you have like Game of Thrones style budget. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. for everyone listening, this was a short film that was originally in Sundance, correct? Mm-hmm. And that was it. That came out in 2018 and it was a 12 minute short film. And then it was converted into a feature length and just came out, I believe, on the 15th. Was it? Yes, yes 15th. Yeah, it, it premiered 2021 Sundance in January. And then, yeah, it's, Great. it's released um, just streaming um, VOD, Apple, iTunes, October 15th. Yeah, so I, I watched it on Apple. Kathleen, you watched it on Amazon and Luke has only seen the short. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the whole point of this for everyone listening, we aren't going to give any spoilers. We obviously want you to go out and watch it. For me specifically, this is very interesting to me because I would have to think, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've ever had a short film that I've watched converted into a feature length. And it was really cool to see the changes. And the main question I have for you is the short film. I guess I can spoil that just because it's been out for three years. It ends with. <laughs> The, of the portal, you know, the portal and the void and, and you go into it. Yeah. That's, you know, early in the movie and there's so much after that. Did you already have that kind of in your head or developed before the feature length was even in your mind or? Yeah, I, did. I um the short was inspired by like a series of recurring dreams I was having. I was writing a paper on Margaret Cavendish, the 17th century English writer where the blazing world, the title of the blazing world comes from. And I knew that this was a larger feature script idea about like a young woman entering this alternate reality to overcome childhood trauma. But I, um, I wanted to do the short first to show people my visual sensibilities as a director. And obviously I, you know, I come up as an actor and uh, this was what I really wanted to be my first feature so I but I knew that nobody would let me do that unless I had a you know a short and then when it was embraced by Sundance it was um you know it was it was easier to get the right the right creatives involved to Mm. to help complete the vision from there and and you know I mean because you've seen the short it's it's very much just a vignette in the character's life you know there are things that are taken from the short into the feature but the feature is very much its own kind of yes very yeah 
Yeah, I did the opposite. I watched the movie first, and then I watched the short. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. I mean, it's almost like the short is a trailer or something for yeah. it. It's just so mm-hmm. cool to, yeah. to watch the short and say, OK, now I actually have the feature length to watch right after. Yeah. And you get to compare and see what the difference is and you get to see what happens next, because I'm sure for three years, a lot of people were saying, well, what happens next? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> a lot of people were saying that. And I think a lot of people, there's something that was hard to communicate to people was this fantasy horror. I mean, you, a lot of times you like have straight fantasy or have straight horror. Mm-hmm. And this was like sort of, you know, this was like a blend of the two. Like it's not a slasher. It's not. Right. It's right. a, it's psychological horror, like with fantasy elements, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't the easiest sell it, you know and I mean? Like people, like, especially with the short at Sundance, like in 2018, my mentality was like to show up to the festival with like a script in my hand, like ready to go. And I think, you know, the producers and like the people that I talked to were sort of like hesitant around that sort of like multi-genre thing because it's so much easier to pitch just straight horror it's so much easier to pitch like straight fantasy so this was like a blend of the two but i was like i mean i don't know like this is just what i like so i'm gonna try to (laughs) try to do it that's usually the best way to do it that's how you get the best product yeah why choose why choose get it all yeah and like like you know i mean all good horror is exercising some kind of trauma you know so it's just like yeah, but but then when you're talking about when you're bringing the, the inner child idea into the equation, it's like that kind of lends itself to fantasy because that's something the inner child can understand. And like those symbols are very, um, yeah, they like speak to this other part of the unconscious that's sort of childlike. Like Jimmy already <laughs> said, I've only seen the short so far. And um, just like the premise of it and the way you're talking about it, I also read an article that you wrote talking about how fantasy was a huge part of your inspiration for this movie. And the movie Pan's Labyrinth, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but it seems like it has very similar uh, high level concepts. And so I was going to, it sounds like you have seen it before. Was that any inspiration? Oh, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I and mean, there's Pan's Labyrinth in there. There's Bluebeard, you know. There's, I mean, it's like a delicious soup <laughs> of, like, <laughs> of like everything that inspires me creatively. But like what I loved about Pan's Labyrinth was, is like you have this fawn character that's sort of intoxicating and, and calling her into her, you know, destiny and who she's meant to be. And then you have this like absolute chaos, like uh, in backdrop surrounding her. Blazing World, though, is much more, um, it's just more localized. It's like about internal family systems and the mother wound and the father wound and like these things that um, are so real for every person that they're hardly ever looked at, let alone through the fantasy lens, or, or I should say they're looked at all the time, but I wanted to like legitimately confront them head on. So, yeah, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth is is one of the greats, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. Like, I have notes, and I'm like, right before they're like, well, we're not going to spoil anything. Yeah, no spoilers, try our best. (laughs) (laughs) But just, like, watching the struggle with the grief and the heartache and the mom and the dad, Mm -hmm. like, uh, it was 
chef's kiss. And I was going to say what I was going to say earlier before is um, as someone who has like intense dreams, I have like night terrors and this and that. I can't imagine like being able to like pull that out of your brain and be able to like make it come to life, especially because I would say like, I don't, this is your movie. I, w- I wouldn't say anything, but I would say like act one and act two almost is like when, when leading up into the whole, into the hole <laughs> and, then, <laughs> into the and hole. then afterwards, it's like, it's, there was hints of it through act one. And then in act two, yeah. it's just like, the visuals were absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Like I said before, like tripping balls, like the best. That's what <laughs> I want. Like when yeah. I'm watching a movie, yeah. I want to be, I want to feel like curious and kind of lost until you get right. me there. To yeah. And yeah. I think this movie was exactly like that for me. Perfect. Just enjoying the ride, but also being kind of devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and because it's like it's there's so much of the movie is hopeless, you know, because yes. because that's how trauma like when I started going and immersing myself in group therapy and like learning about how trauma is stored in the brain, like it is a legitimately distorted worldview. And and you're manifesting trauma loops and like all of your relationships. So like the idea, like, and I was really fascinated by like the fact that Margaret, like once she is submerged underneath the water, like there's only a certain amount of oxygen in her brain from there. So it's like, you know, the, the tone like becomes like more frenetic as like we go. And like, it's like she, as she loses oxygen, she's losing it. It's like her, her brain is kind of like transitioning into these moments of grace and like psychedelic, you know, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like, like I, I always sort of pictured it as like, she's retracing like an, a broken neural pathway and going to the very back of it into like, wow. the, into like the lizard brain, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and, and so then the neon box sequence of like, just like the explosion of like, there, there's like, there's just, you can't hold it in any longer. It like mm-hmm. has, to, has to like go out somewhere. And then I was really, it is, it's a hard movie because so much of it is so hopeless, but I really wanted it to be like a puzzle. Like it, it like, definitely like, was. It makes like, you think the entire time. Yeah. 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 And Kathleen was talking about the visuals. Well, we know the music, the score was amazing as well. And that was your husband, correct? Scoring the, right. the movie for you. Mm-hmm. We just recently talked to the Newton brothers who scored Mike Flanagan's films and TV shows. And Kathleen said it perfectly when it comes to especially like psychological or horror Mm. films the score just immerses you into it so much more and i literally was watching this movie (laughs) and i paused and i was like i need my headphones i'm getting fully into this so i like put the headphones and i was like we gotta do this (laughs) (laughs) oh my god ison would be so stoked (laughs) yeah it was it was really really awesome it was did you have any influence on him and like in guiding the the way you wanted the score to sound or are you guys yeah I mean, we were really curious to find the balance of orchestral and synthetic. He obviously does a lot of electronic and more like indie, like rock, but, and, and he had never done a score before other than what we did for the short, but I knew that he would just crush. <laughs> I knew he would crush this. And did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, yeah, it was a very collaborative process. I, we, we wrapped essentially September 1st, 2020. And we had like submitted a cut to Sundance on October 7th. So 
I mean, we like Isom and I didn't leave like the studio where we were working on the score for like two weeks. We had like bloodshot eyes. We were so, <laughs> and we were so tired. It was so exhausting, but we just did not leave until it was finished. And he, it was really unique because he was supposed to be like on tour and not anywhere near this production. I mean, he was always going to score it eventually, but since the pandemic and since his entire schedule got cleared and canceled, he was actually able to be on site with us and in our little quarantine camp. So he was actually composing music in real time. Wow. He he was watching watching a scene on set and then he would like, you know, disappear for a few hours and then like come back to me with an idea of like, do you think this could be right for this or this? And so that's incredibly unusual. Like that, well, I I would say that is, that it never happens. <laughs> right, right. So um, that was really cool because he was able to like absorb so much of the tension and the, the raw creative material that was being sort of released on on set. Like he um, he sort of disappeared for like 24 hours. I'm like, where have you been? He's like, I'm working, <laughs> on, this, working on this idea. And he played me the like um, water exploding out of the doors uh, when well actually that's right (laughs) but that that piece of music the the ending piece of music played that and I was like oh that's so beautiful I was just like crying and and I had my little portable speaker and so when we actually got to shoot that sequence I was like blasting that and every (laughs) the whole crew and everybody was able to like listen to that piece of music and sort of tonally it's just it's just um, so valuable to have your entire crew and cast like in the same mood. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so that was like something that was really cool and would do again, would score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite parts. The visuals with the, the score together was just Agreed. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's got to be vulnerable, like uh, pouring your heart out into acting, <laughs> right? All of it. But it must be nice, like Isom doing the music. You said your sister-in-law did the storyboards. And yeah. like I know John Karna must be a bud, right? From <laughs> yeah. They're so best of buds. Yeah, so that's amazing. I mean, it's, you have people you trust and love around you ah. when you're getting your child. Yes, tell <laughs> me about it. It was, it was a very, um, there was a lot of really important, safe people like around and um and no boundaries. <laughs> so, so it was like, yes, it was extremely vulnerable for the next couple. I'm excited because I've learned a fucking lot <laughs> and I will have some healthy boundaries next time, if you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. yeah, for this one, I just was like, woof, battle cry, like <laughs> running, running onto the bloody ass battlefield. <laughs> Well, I am impressed because yes, wow, very much so. I mean, twenty eighteen short Thank film, you. <laughs> first one Sundance, second one Sundance. So yeah, love it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the- incredible. And when um you're casting this, what's the casting process like for you? Because I mean, everything was phenomenally cast. Your, your parents, Udo Kier, with his role was amazingly <laughs> creepy doing his it. role. <laughs> Yeah, no his spoiler. role, exactly. <laughs> his role. Um, obviously, we already brought up John Cornett had a nice little cameo. What's the process like for you now? Like you said, this is all you. This is your decision. So how did that how did you make those decisions? Well, I wrote actually 
the Lanad character for Udo. Um, and just, I mean, he's a legend. I'm, I'm a fan is an understatement. I'm obsessed with this man. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I wrote it for him and getting him the script. I remember we like spoke to his manager, like we have the script and we wrote it for him and we just think he'd be so amazing. It's going to be this. And this was like, February 2020, like right before um, COVID. And his manager was like, well, he's picky and busy. So I don't know. We'll see. And probably not. Okay. All right. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Not a no. I'm going to help. Not a no. (laughs) Right. Not a no. (laughs) And then like a week later or something, maybe it was only a couple days. Yeah. We got like an email that he was like, he really likes to script. He would like to do it. He would like to meet Carlson at his home. And uh, I was like, somewhere, I think I was like traveling. I was like, well, I'll be there at 8 a.m. I will be there tomorrow. <laughs> um, so that's how we got Udo. And then the world changes like a couple of right. weeks later. So we had to press pause and really sort of take a look at the script. And I, w- I rewrote a bunch of stuff to take us out of public places and to make us be able to shoot it like ostensibly in quarantine and um you know that was you know you you thank you you mentioned the visuals i mean they were it was it was originally like not as contained um Mm -hmm. bigger but you know i think that it all worked out and then dermot and vanessa sort of joined a couple months later once we had our safe like covid protocol and and our and our actual plan as to how we're going to shoot this and then yeah john was always going to be the character play <laughs> i love that um, that's yeah. great and soko uh yeah soko was our great margo so he goes from your brother in the short to like an ex flame best friend in the new what what was that decision yeah. I mean, I guess because of the move of the, of the plot of the third one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a plot thing, but then, but then also when my co-writer Pierce Brown and I started writing the future script, we were, you know, we were like, well, where does the brother play in this? And we definitely wanted it to be this like singular vision in Margaret's mind. And so every time we sort of started writing the brother character in, it felt disconnected. It didn't, it didn't feel as it, her having this like flame and then more of a romantic capacity felt more like mature or something. And so, yeah, we, we ended up uh, upgrading him to X flame. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, I also think it worked better and made you think, obviously feel more lonely and just yes. alone in the second yes. one, not having a, another sibling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. And Luke is so out of the loop. Luke doesn't know anything. He's like, Suckers. brother. So <laughs> I know I <laughs> um, yeah, I think it does add to the loneliness. It's depressing, you know? Yeah. Totally. I do have a question because doing a quick search off of what you've been credit for as an actor, Scream seems to be the first major I would say shift away from a lighter tone of things. Mm-hmm. You've been in. Did mm-hmm. that have any influence being on a production that is mainly based in horror on this project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I wrote the short, like while we were shooting season two, I remember like running to the makeup trailer and just being like, you guys, you guys, I've been having these dreams. Like I've been having these dreams. 
you just wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe how clear they are. Like, I'm going to make it into a movie. I'm going to make it into a movie. And everyone being like, cool. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I just remember, I remember telling John and, and, and I really like Scream was hugely important for my, I mean, it's like, I, I just really credit that show. Like I learned everything on that show, you know? Um, and we got to work with really, really cool directors. Like I will give MTV that, like we got to work with Ty West, we got to work with Lee Janiak and really dope, you know, directors in the horror space. And so it was just like, I watched them and watched how, you know, and then of course, like, you know, giving it all like in a performance and then watching how it's like cut together. It was some like whack ass music put over it and like all yeah. of this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> that like that's not how I would have done that. But, okay, right. you know, and then like that really being like the fuel in a sense for my fire of just like, I really, really want to be a director. Like I want to do this myself. That's great. And, and, and of course, you know, there are so many elements at play in television. There are jillions of cooks in the kitchen, but with film, like especially indie film, it's, it's much more of a singular vision. So I, um, yeah, but Scream was like an education, you know, it felt like college or something. But mm-hmm. speaking of credible horror directors, you got to not to bring it back to Key and Peele, but Jordan Peele also. Yeah, yeah, it's really true. I was, yeah, following in his footsteps. I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but yeah. Looks like I can't talk about the movie, but I could talk about Key and Peele. So I'm bringing it up. <laughs> Let's let's pivot the screen because I'm at my parents' house right now, and um, we're just sitting here. And I was was remembering how me and Jimmy had met Bex, and I was like, "Wait a second!" And I was like, "I have this." (gasps) Oh my god, that's amazing! (laughs) So funny though, because John wasn't there, just Bex, and they signed for him too, like Virgin by Curious and the Virgin. It was like the best. I loved it. Oh God. <laughs> adorable oh my god we loved it like we didn't have the highest expectations of it of course because it was of mtv of course and mm-hmm. then we were like wow they actually did this really well like it's obviously yep. goofy as hell but it was as like mega screen fans it, it followed the rules it it mm-hmm. did the job for an mtv show we were like yeah. wow i mean i wow. think it's, i think it's like in terms of MTV shows, all things considered, <laughs> you know, like, right, right. like, yeah, I mean, we had, we had a good time doing it and like, it's, it's its own thing. It follows the rules of screen, but then it also has like, you know, a sort of, it's like serious camp, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's yes. serious about being camp. <laughs> like, right. Right. You know what I mean? It's so it was fun. Yeah. You're being meta. Yeah. 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 I mean, our podcast, we cover the mainstream stuff, but the things that we love the most are the shows that we think are that like underrated or undervalued the shows that are on maybe MTV or sci-fi network or the CW network that people might not even give a try just because of that. And we like to cover them because as long as they're the ones we think are great, you know, like, (laughs) like scream. I mean, obviously there are some that aren't, but, um, 
you know, Scream, we thought was definitely undervalued. You know, a lot of people wouldn't even give it a chance because it's MTV or just yeah. said, oh, well, Scream, you know, yeah. who cares about Scream anymore? Whatever it is. But me and Kathleen, we <laughs> loved it. Luke, yeah, I know did. you loved they it too. Convinced, yeah, they convinced oh me God. to watch it right away. So oh, that's yeah. hilarious. We specifically covered it on the podcast for Halloween just because we wanted to make oh, yeah. sure. And I mean, it still has a really good following on Reddit and Facebook groups. And that's hilarious to me. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not like up to to speed on all of it, but like, <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Like, good for Scream. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know there yeah. are Brooke stands out there. They're probably everywhere. Yeah, it's me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, Kathleen's yeah. the stand. Oh, well, me and Kathleen, me and Kathleen five years ago were the stars of Reddit. Yeah, we were making our theories for this freaking show that got canceled. And we now n- never will find out what the <laughs> ending is going to be still to this day. Uh, hurts my heart. Well, it was less that and more like the missteps they took. We were like, no, 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 no. This is how it should have yeah, right. been. <laughs> no, well, we, we why always... didn't you just kill us? Like, why? Like, yeah. why could, wait, this Halloween special, why wouldn't it just be everybody yes. dies? Like, yes. I don't get it. Like, I'll never understand. Like, I, I remember, like, I don't know if I can, whatever. I was, I, just remember, I remember, like, reading this and being like, but, but then, but, wait, why aren't, why aren't, why am I dying? Like, why aren't we, like, like right. what about me? What about this girl? <laughs> like, like, yeah. what about everybody dying? It's a great way to to transition into like a reboot with like new characters and new yeah and new everything i'm just like what in what yeah i did not watch the vh1 reboot the season three no but i if it's not gonna continue i i don't need it i just really wanted the brandon james like i wanted to know the backstory i want yeah we enjoyed the whole brandon james the backstory they're actually being i mean a lot of people think and i I mean i agree like yeah it has the rules of scream and you're using the name scream but it could have been its own show not even called scream you know, it doesn't yeah. doesn't use Ghostface. Yeah. The mask is kind of similar, but there's a whole backstory they could have used. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of pulled us in. And, you know, John's character, Noah, talks about it yeah. you know, in, the, in one of the first episodes when he says you can't do a slasher in the TV series. Well, that was one of the coolest things to us that we're actually having some kind of story to work yeah. with here. Yeah. And, and like really liking and falling in love with the characters so that they can be. Mm-hmm. Build and like build off, yep. have an emotional sort of resonance with the with the audience, whereas with the slasher, it's just kind of like, oh well, you know, it's like an hour and a half. Someone's these all of these characters are going to die. We know this, but right, yeah. I just thought that it would have been really dope to have two seasons of like falling in love with these characters, and then they all just you know die. die yeah, if you're not going to give us an ending to the actual background story, then just kill everyone and be say <laughs> yeah. it's over. Don't just sandbag me and be like, oh, well, we're done oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> or like some like extraneous character just like turns out to be <laughs> like, like someone yeah. in like the background the whole time that you like actually like never even learned anything about her. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Brandon James or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, we really don't like to say anything bad about stuff, but like the season three, I couldn't finish it. I didn't think it was very yeah. good at all. I mean, I, I am obsessed with Scream and I watched maybe two episodes and I was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So they decide yeah. to stop season two of your show to bring in season three and try to reboot it again. And 
didn't have the best product. So why not just let yeah. you guys keep going? <laughs> yeah, it feels a little bit. Yeah, feels confused. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what the end game was there, but yeah. So I I haven't seen it in a while because we recorded that episode we dropped a, a little while ago, and I was like, I forget everything. For someone who really liked it, I was like, I forget everything so I was like let me just like one of the few things I remember was like that I loved Broken Jake and I was like let mm-hmm. me just like google them and I watched some like hilarious like compilation video to this no like, way. song <laughs> of like you and Jake and I was like this is good stuff like I'm like remembering oh. why I liked it you know what I mean? that is hilarious I want to check that stuff out <laughs> I mean it, it was Crazy. funny too because what we did for the podcast it was over a year ago I guess Kathleen yeah. Mm-hmm. Kathleen's original podcast she had before this one was basically pitching a TV show or talking about one of your favorite episodes of a show. So again, I guess it was Halloween last year. I came on as our podcast Binge Town was starting to promote Binge Town, but also promote the undervalued show. So I did the pilot of yeah. Scream. And it was so funny that Kathleen's co-host at the time was the one who'd never seen it. And she's like, I'm really going to like Brooke at some point. I don't like Brooke. <laughs> yeah. And me and Kathleen are literally that in the first podcast. episode. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and me and Kathleen are literally what? like, you're going to love Brooke, man. And yeah. I actually so I posted on the Reddit that we were going to get a chance to talk to you. And someone just cracked me up because they were like, listen, I just want you to tell her that I loved her character, but I didn't love her in episode one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fair. Yeah. It's um, hilarious. But I mean, that's the yeah. thing. They wrote your character to becoming a fan favorite, which was great. Yeah. So Scream's very aware of itself. We've kind of said that. And it, it not only has the tropey characters, it leans super into it. So what was the casting call for your character, Brooke? Like, was it like just popular, just kind of popular bitch yeah right i didn't want to say it but i yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like i was gonna say a first word but yeah um that and um and that's a really really easy character to play i mean like it's like everyone can do the mean girl you know it's like not interesting so so like i um yeah, I remember watching the pilot and then and then sort of like, you know, kind of seeing what the next couple of episodes are going to look like. I think we got like the I think we got like episodes like two and three. And then, yeah, I mean, the beauty of having the time in a television series is that you can make a character more nuanced. And especially with Brooke was like, I was like, yeah, but like, where is like, I mean, nobody is like just a bitch to be a bitch. Like they're like masking yeah. some serious pain you know and like Mm -hmm. where does that come from from her and then like she's got huge daddy issues huge Mm -hmm. mommy issues like she's Mm -hmm. got all these things going on her friends are like falling around dying like flies like this is a lot on this kick you know you know on like on everybody but like so I was like well like I mean why not just like play it like straight in terms Mm -hmm. of you could either like none of that could affect her or it could really affect her. And I, and I chose to make it like really affect her, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I love her. (laughs) It's just so fun. It's just so dumb and fun. It's just a fun show. That's the, that's Um, what we love about it. We love the entertainment. I do wish you all got slaughtered at the end though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I was watching some recaps of the season because like Kathleen and Jimmy, it's been a while since I watched the show. And when it shows the part where Brooke is on the stage, like I remember thinking you're definitely going to die in the scene. And yeah. that was one of the most scared I was because like Kathleen, I loved Brooke. And it, it's just so good. They did such a good job of making it feel like a movie where characters could die at any point. Didn't have to be. Yeah. Like mm. So that was. Yeah. 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 For sure. Damn. R.I.P. MTV Scream. Yeah, right. Good. Well, all right. We're talking R.I.P. here again. <laughs> this is funny because it's probably what the 2015 was the first season, right? 2015 and 2016. And yeah. then I think they took a couple years for season three. I don't know where it's coming from, but right now, literally in the last month, it's all over like Twitter and Facebook that they are trying to reboot Meaning reboot, bring back your guys' season for a season three. Are you allowed to say anything? Is it is is it BS? Like I I personally, everyone's saying clickbait here, but and all we I mean all I can say is like I have not heard anything. right. <laughs> and would you at this point in your career now that you've jumped in in levels here, would you do another season of Scream? I would do it if they gave me the scripts and showed yeah. and and I'm like is this like worth it you know what I mean right, like right. I'm like yeah hey, can you present to me how this is a show that could be like wrapped up and it's not just going to be like a free-for-all yeah yeah like of like oh yeah like no we're just doing a third season do a third season and like if if a great team was to be like we're going to wrap this up in six episodes like here's yeah. how we're going to do it and everyone's going to and like they're all going to die we know that but it's like the how right and then we're actually gonna figure out who the killer is I'm like i do a cool six steps yeah that's like oh yeah that's no skin off anyone's <laughs> but other than that we need no. more actors like you no, no, no. That yeah fans. <laughs> we need these satisfying endings yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We, need it. we need an ending Give me that satisfying ending and the good news is is it's like it's scream like everyone is supposed to die like, yeah. yeah except for willa like that's it yep. you know? final girl that's it yeah, yeah. Me and Jimmy will write it on Reddit and get it started. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. You guys get yeah. that started. Get that up. And it's a ten-year time jump. Just so you know, we're starting. I, don't, I really don't want to admit how much time was put into that Reddit. Thread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just us thinking we know better than everybody else. So. Yeah, guessing Fine. or think we know better. You know. There's yeah. an element of like, well, you might, you might know better. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I really only have one more question about Scream when it came to the scripts and everything, were you just getting like one episode at a time or were they giving you overviews or anything for the seasons or did they even tell you like who the killer would be? I know for some of the movies, they specifically left it out. So you wouldn't act a different way towards another character. It was very episode by episode and we never knew. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I'm, an actor who was in that show like you too. And again, I I'm not, so I don't know, but I feel like I would be more frustrated than me and Kathleen and Luke are that you don't know the end just because you put the time into it and you just don't know where your character would have gone or what they were planning at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I feel you. Damn. (laughs) Again, I mean, it's, and it, it's a, it's, a semi easy, an easy fix. But I just feel like, you know, I don't know, like the energy of the show, like, you know, I think I, I don't know if people talk about this, but that was like a Weinstein show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like oh. that wasn't 
there was a lot of things going on. There was there was a lot of things going on to where the energy was not right, 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 right. To like, damn, yeah, yeah. Is that where you met John? Is that oh, or did you actually know like we <laughs> we had worked together before Scream on like a little indie movie called Premature, which you should definitely watch if you're a John Carter fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like don't, don't walk to watch this movie. <laughs> it's batshit. Um uh and I like was on that movie for a second too. And so we like I like worked with John when I was like 21 in Atlanta. And then a couple years later, we randomly were on screen together. And I remember him calling me like and being like, Hey, so you're doing that screen show, I'm doing it too. Or, like and I was like, that is crazy because that is not, it's not often that you are randomly with like another actor again that you thought, like I, I left John on that film and was like, I'll never see this guy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, and then we just screamed together and he's like, um, yeah, he's very much my best friend for sure. That's awesome. Wow. Love that. Love friendship. <laughs> yes, very That's much. fate. That's fate, baby. Yes. That's fate, baby. <laughs> I like to think that all of our favorite TV shows have just like all the actors are in like a group chat, chat just like text yeah. each other, whatever, just you know, little things like that. Yeah. And don't tell me otherwise. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's very true, especially on screen. Like we were all like we were all legitimate homies. You know, really cool. close. Yeah. Love that. What was it? The actress who played Riley wasn't she in the short film? Really? Brianna. Yeah. 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 Was, that's what I thought. Brianna is like she's. She's the coolest. She's the coolest chick. <laughs> She's really cool. She's way cooler than all of us. Love that. So I, I like Riley too. I have another question, but this is going to be non-scream or uh, non the blazing world. So back to that article that I was referencing earlier, I know you spoke a lot about the fact that the Lord of the Rings was a huge inspiration for you. And you even went as far to put at one of the Lord of the Rings books by Tolkien in the was it the movie or the short story that it was in it was in the movie itself it was right? in her room yeah it's, in, it's yeah. in her room she's like she like reads it for a second and then talks to um yeah the blake uh, john carner's character about it so my two questions are first um do you like any other fantasy stories just like you know anything in the genre that that also intrigues you like lord of the rings because we're huge fantasy fans over in binge did you check out the um his dark materials uh not yet but i I not yet yeah definitely on the list yeah i've I've heard a lot of good things about it yeah i mean you know it's it's definitely a tv version of the books but right i would say behind lord of the rings like that's my second favorite did you uh by chance um audition for a role in one of the lord of the rings in the new lord of the rings show (laughs) i so it, I mean, with these things that shoot in like the UK, mm-hmm. it's like a really big um, disclaimer. Like you have to be a British. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, I mm, think I remember that about Game of Thrones as well. Yeah. And Game of Thrones too. Like, unless you're like, a, like you want a BAFTA, like there's, there's all sorts of different like tiers of like, and it's because it's, it's the work visa. Like you can't oh, okay. like, you can't just go and like live over there, like on a work visa. It's very hard for Americans to get a work visa over there. That being said, I told, I remember like telling me, my agent, like, I will do the <laughs> <laughs> for the new Lord of the Rings. I will do anything. Like, oh, like, 
They're literally not seeing Americans, I, like none. But if you want to do a tape, like here are the sides for one of the characters. And I was like, oh, I'll do a tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will do a tape. Um, That's awesome. Imagine just watching the show come out and be like, oh, my God, there's Jay Quellen at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah, no, um, that would be so awesome. I remember asking about it again, a couple of months ago and like my team being like, Carlson, you have like, you, you're, you have this thing you're directing that like you have, you, you can't, you can't fuck <laughs> off to like England for two years. Right. Um, you have things going on. And I'm like, oh, no. but I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like have to be an elf like you don't understand like cast yeah. <laughs> <to> <laughs> um so yeah maybe one day uh, so before we let you go do you guys have any more questions my my main question here is with you directing writing acting are you going to keep doing all three or are you going to lay back on acting maybe or you just want to keep doing all three um just like the blazing world yeah um i mean the next three that I have cooking, I'm not acting in. Um, and acting, I'm, I'm, I'm still like keeping an open mind. And, and if something comes in, that's interesting, then, mm-hmm. then I'll definitely take a look at it. But, um, like screen it, season three, <laughs> <laughs> like a really good ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, mostly, mostly just focusing on, on the directing. Yeah. For okay. now. And, and I, and I definitely have my ears perked to like some great comedy. I'd like, I'd like to like keep doing that as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. We That's love your great. comedy beats. Mm-hmm. Thanks, <laughs> precious. Thank you. Blazing world, short film, 2018, the blazing world, 2021 just came out October 15th, Amazon video on demand. I, I, I still say iTunes. Is that even right? I still like, say iTunes too. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> iTunes. That's what. Yeah. Whatever. But you can check it out. It. It's amazing, guys. The visuals, the music, the acting, the cast. Everything's awesome. Uh, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Mm-hmm. Woo! Big Woo! fans. Talk You're the you. best. Bye. Thank you. Of course. Bye, guys. See ya. And there you have it, Carlson Young, guys. We can't thank her enough for coming on to the podcast, and we cannot wait to see what's next for her. If her first ever film is any indication of what is to come, then the sky is the limit for her as an actor, writer, and director. Don't forget to go check out her film, The Blazing World, on Video On Demand, Apple iTunes, or Amazon Prime Video. You will not regret it. If you guys like what you heard, please check us out on Instagram and Twitter, at TV. Give us a five-star review on any of your favorite podcast apps or check us out at BingetownTV.com. If you're not yet a patron and looking to support the pod, you can check out our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash BingetownTV. You can also find it on our Instagram and website. Right now, we have two tiers available, Bingetowny and Bingetown Homie. The first tier, Bingetowny, is just $2 a month and is available if you want to send some support our way. Our second tier, Benchtown Homie, has all of our exclusive content. This tier is $5 a month, and you get exclusive patron-only podcast episodes, early access to our celebrity interviews, and exclusive patron-only unedited celebrity video interviews, plus a lot of other bonus material. We appreciate all of your support and hope you all join the fun because our exclusive episodes on Patreon are going to get wild. All right, guys, that's it for us today. Once again, we are Benchtown TV, and thank you so much for listening. 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network.